Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and this is episode number 127. This week on the episode, I have a super fun conversation um, with a pair of brothers that I've known for a little while now, uh, you know, through doing music journalism and whatnot. Um, Their band name is rags and riches they are based out of lexington kentucky um and they are brothers tanner and peyton um had an awesome time talking to them you know we've kind of crossed paths a few times in the past and you know just haven't ever had time to make the interview thing work um relatively recently uh they came through the town that I'm based in and played a cool little fairly intimate um as far as size show and just had a really really good time I got to hang out with them for a while there I did photography for them things like that and it just was really a lot of fun and you know super cool because again with it being an intimate show I had time to really talk to them quite a bit um and you know go over different things and um, you know, just kind of pick their brains while they're on the road, you know, and we talked about doing the podcast, you know, a couple weeks later, we were able to link up and, and do that. So, um, that's where this conversation came from. Uh, we talk about all sorts of things like the DIY grassroots movement of building a fan base and, uh, doing it in a area that isn't really um known for the style of music that they play uh but they're they're doing an amazing job at it the community and the scene down there has really uh evolved and and opened their arms to to the brothers here so uh we also talked about their new album we talked about kind of the energy of a live show and how that influences their writing styles and things like that. Um, and yeah, it was just a really cool conversation that goes much, much deeper than that. And, you know, I think it's something that you guys are going to enjoy. If you haven't heard of them, highly recommend it. Um, super dope little project that they've got going on. But for now, let's just dive into this. This is my conversation with Rags and Riches. So cool. Um, to start things off, though, I do start with the same boring-ass question every time. For those that aren't familiar with you guys, who are you? What do you guys do, respectively, in the band? And just a little background on yourselves. Yeah. Uh, so we're brothers uh, and make up Rags and Riches, an adrenalized pop rock band from Lexington, Kentucky. Um, and I play guitar and sing. And I play drums, and I also produce all the music. Awesome. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, I think one of the interesting things is all the time in music, you hear about, you know, families being in bands together and sometimes it works out really well. And sometimes it's an absolute fucking train wreck. Yeah. What's it been like for you guys? You know, cause obviously growing up, you, you know, each other's personalities. How does that influence you within the band? Uh, I mean, we just know how to work together. I mean, obviously we fight cause we're brothers and that's just part of it. And uh, but we know like two minutes later, we got to bounce back and keep working. Cause that's just the way things work. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. so we kind of have that 
relationship to be able to do that. And I think that's what makes it successful for sure. Yeah. Do you think that's why you guys haven't expanded or do you just feel like with the, the dynamic that you're, you know, producing and like the music that you want to produce that a two man group is, is really all you need. I think for now, at least, uh, uh, to build, I think a two man group, um, we've talked about in the future, maybe adding a guitar player or a kind of like an all around guy who can play synth and guitar or whatever type thing. Um, but I think for now it works with just the two. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I agree. I've, I, you know, been in and out of your your music for what now two years. Uh, when we first linked up, when we uh, had some singles coming out, um, and then seeing you here locally at the Coterie, um, let's dive into your your live show a little bit before we get into the new album and stuff like that. Um, talk about you know. <laughs> the Coterie show was cool, right? Like it's a small, yeah. intimate venue. How hard is it to keep your energy level up? Because especially with that night, you know, it was a slow crowd coming in. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's super difficult to do. You just kind of have to go in with the mindset. I think we've both, uh, since day one, said no matter if there's one person there, or how many ever there, like we're still going to give 110%. Uh, obviously, you still give like a hundred percent, but you dial certain things back and change things up a little bit just so, cause it's, certain things are definitely awkward if it's only like one or two people in the room. Um, but for the most part, we try to give them the same experience and show that they would get if we were playing an arena or whatever. Um, but the mindset throughout however long the performance is of continuously like bringing that kind of energy is it's pretty difficult to stay like, uh, driven to do so when it's when a smaller crowd for sure <laughs> so no the the night at the coterie it was interesting you know you guys played kind of that double set um the first probably half hour 45 minutes was i mean it was a handful of people um and like i think the interesting thing for me was you know seeing you guys still be able to take it to that next level even though it was basically the bar staff and a couple people that were just hanging out, um, you know, to start off the night. But then, you know, as the night progressed, you guys took that little intermission. There was probably, you know, closer to 50 or 60 people there by the, the end, at least. And then, um, you know, we saw some some really cool hangouts and people really getting into the music. What kind of influence did that have you know what i mean like once the people started to show up and you start recognizing oh the crowd is getting into this like does that just throw the gas on the fire essentially at that point i think so yeah it definitely like helps like keep you wanting to keep performing <laughs> um i think it's sometimes when it's a small crowd you're like you kind of feel down in a way um so I think having a crowd that's like bigger and definitely that's like getting into it, like makes you just like, yeah, like come alive, I guess. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so this, the tour, the show that, you know, I was at for Kokomo and the little tour you were doing was in support of the new album. So let's dive into that a little bit. Um, couple things that I don't really do normally is I don't ask specifics on songs anymore simply because I don't want to take away the meaning from anybody, right? Like, 
True. You may have written it about a, ba- a bad breakup, and somebody's like, man, that song's about his dog dying. Like, I relate <laughs> to that. And it's like, mm, not quite the same thing here. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we don't have to get in the weeds on, on that side of it necessarily, but walk through for people especially that are unfamiliar with a band like yourselves that is solely DIY um, when it comes to the production and everything. Walk through what that album-making process was like Obviously, COVID played a, a factor, but being brothers, that makes it a little bit easier because you don't have all the same lockdown rules necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> for yeah. sure. I'll let you take some of that production stuff for sure. Yeah, I think so. A lot of these songs we had had like for a while, like we had written a lot of these back in like 2019 or before that even. Um, and we've been playing them since day one, like our first show and stuff, uh, but they weren't like a finished product um and so we kind of went back and tweaked some stuff and changed like parts of the music up maybe changed some lyrics um and then we had some songs we had already previously released like they were already out and then we kind of went back remastered them and mixed them a little bit um and so i think a lot of it was just finding the right balance of songs to use and the fan favorites um, for the album but, yeah I, I mean a lot of thought going in especially picking those songs that were already out because uh, there was a few of them we wanted to re-release anyways uh, just to re- remaster them and everything um, but Speed of Sound had always been one of our biggest songs um, since day one and we've had a hard time like I guess topping that one to others uh, viewpoints because most people are always like, that's still my favorite, no matter what we, you release. Uh, so we kind of wanted to re release that song and give it uh, a little bit of a twist to it with the mastering and things like that. Yeah. And that's a, an interesting kind of thought, right? Like, so you've got this song that's really, I mean, one of the first songs you've ever dropped and here we are. I mean, granted, in the grand scheme of the music industry, you guys are still very young uh, when it comes to being a band and whatnot. But, you know, still to be four or five years later now and going, yeah, this is still the best thing you've ever released. Do, do you feel like that's a little bit of a blow to morale or is it like you just haven't seen what we're capable of yet? Um, a lot of the reason being, I think, was because we were holding on to a lot of those songs that uh, people, if they came and saw us live, they were like, I like this song better than Speed of Sound. And we just held on to those until the album, uh, until we had that backing and stuff we wanted to release an album. Um, so w- once we did, like, Pressure is done almost equally as good as uh, Speed of Sound. And that's been some people's like absolute favorite song by far. And they were like, this one blows Speed of Sound out of the water. So uh, we have gotten like a lot of feedback saying that some of these songs are better than Speed of Sound, uh, which feels great. But I also think we already have stuff that we've been sitting on for a little bit. That's way, way beyond like these songs (laughs) in our opinion, for sure. Yeah, I think, you know, especially the COVID years assisted that with a lot of bands. I'm, I, you know, obviously talking to bands every week and it seems like everybody's like, hey, I just, you know, we just released this album, but you don't even understand. We've already got 50 songs in the bank because we haven't been able to 
to tour or whatever. So like, it seems like everybody's sitting on a stockpile and it's like, we want to, you know, support the album that we just dropped. But at the same time, like we have so much in the, the vault that we want to get new stuff out too. So it's finding that balance of at what point do I say, this is enough of, of that support and let's start releasing. Yeah. That's where we're at right now too, is I was, I was even talking this weekend uh, to my fiance. and was like, I love these songs. I'm really glad they're out finally, but I'm so ready to just release some of the new stuff we're working on. Cause it's, you know, I want to show everybody like that's been listening to us, what else we have to offer and uh, things that we've been working on for a while that, you know, had to take a back burner, like just because of the album for sure. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, something I want to, to talk about for you guys specifically um, for anybody that hasn't listened to you guys yet, obviously I want them to go check you out, but you know, I think so often people immediately assume like with a two, two person band or whatever, they think of either like the white stripes, you know, this kind of alternative weird Jack, Jack white rock thing or 21 pilots which i think you guys have correct me if i'm wrong there's a little bit of influence from both sides of that though within your band but i think you guys are very much more of a diversity you know what i mean you swing from both sides of that versus we're only in this one piece you know this one particular uh piece how conscious of a decision is that for you to make sure that you're utilizing all the tools that you have yeah, it's, I mean, we try to be, like, as unique as we can be. Um, obviously, there's influences, like Twin Island Pilots, obviously. Um, but I think we have created our own sound. Um, and I think it's it's definitely different than, I guess, a lot of two-piece bands, like you're saying. Um, and so I think it works for us um, because it is different and unique. Yeah, with yeah, some of the influence I think are probably, if you were talking to somebody of like, say Tyler Joseph of Twenty One Pilots or Jack White, uh, I would say a lot of their personal influences would be a lot different than who we would say for sure. <laughs> so yeah. I think that's what uh, we created something definitely different than them. Yeah. Um, so, kind of you know jumping back into the album a little bit. Um, you guys mentioned pressure, obviously being, you know, a, a top contender for, for songs. And that was one of the singles and you guys have done a lot around that for you, you know, coming off that tour that you were on, what was kind of the eye opening moment, you know, like what was the song that you guys had in the set list that you're like, eh, they may dig this or they may not. And then they were like, you know, holy shit, like we got a reaction here. Uh, I think the one that's kind of been uh, underrated for sure is Victim. Because uh, live, I think that song is by far one of our best like live performance songs we have. Uh, and so everyone has always, like since day one when they heard that one, that was one they were really impressed by. And then even on the tour, that was one that people loved. And it's definitely like an attention grabber. Um, but you know, the, the song itself hasn't hit that like, um, stream count, I guess you'd say, or listening, 
uh, like some of the other songs. And I think it's just a matter of time. Uh, the more we play that song live, that it'll start having that same kind of impact. Yeah, I think it's funny you bring up like the stream count and whatnot, because especially as a DIY band, again, casual fans, if you will, don't understand everything that goes into it. And I think a lot of that is just trying to get the traction, right? Hoping that it hits a playlist somewhere so that, you know, it gets that signal boost. Um, it's interesting, though, from, from my aspect of it, like for you guys, where, you know, Spotify analytics, especially the amount of detailed information you can get about like what cities are responding to your music is huge, especially when you guys are doing everything independently to plan a tour. Like, well, why would we go to, you know, Detroit, Michigan, if nobody in Michigan is listening to us? Exactly. That's so, a, go, go ahead. ahead. No, it just is a, I mean, any of those things like TikTok and uh, Instagram, I mean, they, they don't give you as much data as like Spotify does, but um, it is nice to have that, those kind of things. So you can even like retarget marketing and things or, or going specifically back to that state or that city uh, is like an incredible key to have with being a DIY for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, with the, like you said, Instagram, TikTok or whatever, as far as like not giving you as detailed information maybe, but like when you're doing Instagram reels or TikTok sounds, obviously like, okay, this sound popped off. Like maybe that is something we need to focus on, whether it's a piece of a song or just like a, a snippet of an idea for a song that you're pursuing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, um, it gives you like kind of that real grassroots finger on the pulse type information, right? With as quick as everything changes now, you can get real time feedback essentially on everything. Yeah. We, I like, uh, showed a little like snippet of a song that I had been just like working on myself, uh, posted on TikTok and it did like super well. And people were like, you got to finish that one. You got to finish that one and record it and stuff. So I guess, with having TikTok, uh, that that is like an incredible thing to have. Now you can kind of get feedback on something early, without it getting like stolen or whatever. Um, yeah. So that that's really cool to have. Yeah, has that um, kind of influenced you in any way, like for like setlist designs and stuff like that, knowing what people are responding to via those mediums? I think so. Yeah, we um, we were actually planning earlier um, for set lists in the future and kind of like seeing which areas, you know, listen to certain things and um, certain songs um, and kind of like just cool little things you can throw in. So I think it definitely affects, you know, what songs we play in certain areas and th things like that. Awesome. Um, when it comes to that live show, you know, kind of production, again, you guys are DIY, so shoestring budget, you know, I, I wish people would respect that a lot more than what they seem to. Um, but number two specifically is, you know, again, you guys are so high energy, there's so much going on, you've got different samples, you've got the light kits and all that. Is there a... 
I don't want to say that you guys are like a theater band because you're not necessarily, but there is a certain aspect of, of theatricals within your, your show, right? Yeah, hundred percent. I think, uh, we were just talking to, uh, the guy who was on tour with us, Ashton, um, about that. Like, I guess some of the hand movements and things that I do to emphasize certain words or phrases, um, along with like Peyton standing on his drum throne and, you know, different moments. We, everything's like, I guess more productiony, uh, than a normal band of just standing there playing instruments and bringing a lot of energy. We are like, there's key moments where we're, you know, we go in the crowd or things like that. Everything's pretty, uh, designed to do that, but also has flexibility to add new things that we feel in the moment. Um, and then some of those things stick long-term. Um, but yeah, I would definitely, I a hundred percent agree when say like theatrical pieces to what we do is super important. Yeah. Uh, one thing that you did at the Kokomo show, um, and I'm assuming it's probably more than just that, but uh, it was a small enough crowd that it was easy to do. You took the floor tom out and, you know, we're right in the, the faces of people playing it. And then at one point threw the sticks to somebody else and let them kind of beat along with you. Um, obviously, that just amplifies that energy and everything. Does that, as you're crafting a song, do those thoughts go through your mind too? Like, man, this will be really cool when we go live to do this. Yeah, we definitely like when we're writing stuff or even like when we're like finished with a song, we're like, oh, now we can like pinpoint exact parts to do things and stuff like that. Um, so it's like always the live show is always what's on our mind when creating a song, really. Even like we're working on a new song right now. We might be in the middle of the song and play through it a few times, even without the vocals tracked or anything, just the music. And we're like, jumping around in the studio and coming up with ideas and concepts that we could do on this section. The crowd can do this on this moment, things like that. So all those, I guess you would say we're, we're like super, uh, we pay attention to the little details and like to include everyone who's uh, at the shows and make them feel equally as a part of what we're doing is what we are. Yeah. I, and I think I noticed that at the, the Kokomo show, like I said, with that kind of, essentially a double set like it felt like the people especially that were there for that first you know half hour 45 minutes whatever it was um when you started going back through and playing kind of some of the songs again and whatnot like there was a lot more involvement from those people because now like oh we're a little bit familiar with it and i think the maybe the kokomo show was a little bit weird too in the sense that you know the coterie puts on shows but like maybe this wasn't what anyone expected for that night of music or, yeah. you know, maybe they'd not really listened to you before. Um, so it was an interesting thing too, for me to see that like it only took 45 minutes ish to start reeling people in really and them being like, yeah, this is fun. Like we're just going to jump around or, you know, there was that one drunk lady just screaming from the back of the bar. Like, Hey, it works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, with you guys being in, in Lexington, Kentucky, um, talk a little bit about the, the music scene that you guys grew up with and, you know, have now broken into and, and things like that, because obviously Lexington is a well-known town, but it's not a huge town by any stretch. What's it been like to, to do their, you know, kind of your grassroots there and then branching out with these regional tours? Um, 
when we started the band originally, it was kind of, we decided early on that it would be best for us to at least get a following outside of Lexington. And so we kind of developed with the friends we had in Lexington to start um, and only played maybe like two shows here, one or two shows here before we started touring outside the state a lot more. Um, just because of the scene here is more like bluegrass and folk and country and uh, things like that. And so it was a little more challenging to us to kind of develop a following in our home state, which I think, uh, or in our home si uh, city, but I think that's for a lot of bands, unless it's a major city is a little easier, I would say. Um, but now it, like our hometown shows are, uh, a lot, a lot bigger. Um, and we're, we're getting close to selling those out a lot more now. Um, I think this next one will potentially be sold out and, um, that's a really cool experience. And people are not just coming to the hometown shows and like seeing who we are. They're like, they're coming, they know the words of the songs and they're like involved and a hundred percent in with us, which makes the hometown shows now like enjoyable. And actually we want to play those. Like we love yeah. them now. Uh, yeah. but early on it was kind of just like, we might do better in Chicago or New York or LA or something like that. And we did do a lot better on the West coast at first, but now I would say we've, uh, I guess broken into the market and, uh, kind of developed ourselves here in Lexington. Do you think that has anything to do with, I mean, obviously to some extent it does, but the, the diversity of the market on like the West coast or like up in Chicago, there's everything from, you know, hip hop to country music up there and everything in between is maybe the hometown area just so ingrained in the country and bluegrass and folk side that it was harder to break in. Or do you think it's more of a, they don't want to take a chance on the kids, if you will. Uh, I'd say it's definitely probably the music side. Um, just cause yeah, I think a lot of people around here just like certain styles. Um, and it was obviously it's a new sound, uh, for most people around here. Um, so I think just breaking into that and showing them what we have, then we got like accepted. It was, so it was kind of like we had to kind of go out first, show other states what we have to kind of grow a following and then make people notice here um to grow so i think that that's different uh than most people where they just continuously build the their like region or their home uh city first and we kind of did it a different way uh but i think when we were on the west coast it was people just love music there. It seems, and they're more welcoming to anything and everything music related. Um, so when we were like out there on the West coast, it was an incredible experience. And those shows were a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I definitely could see that. And I think Chicago's very much the same way, you know, like I said, with them having literally every genre of music up there, but it seems like there's, so many venues in like Chicago, for example, you know, you can go to the bottom lounge, you can go to Shuba's, you can go to the Metro bar, like literally walking down the same street, even there's three yeah. or four different shows. So I think there's a lot more acceptance and like open-mindedness about the types of music that they listen to. Whereas, you know, again, your, your area uh, is 
very old school with what they, you know, kind of have developed. Um, so I could definitely see where maybe it's like, well, we've got something, but we don't try, like the promoters, maybe not fully trusting that it's going to be profitable for them and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a, <laughs> was an interesting part of the early on phase. We basically used a, a church we were connected with just to like get a facility to have a first show. Uh, and that was kind of how we were able to do that. We had like a little over 200 show up for our first show. And basically none of those people were even went to that church or anything like that. They just let us use the facility and that kind of helped us show the other like promoters and talent buyers around town, like, Hey, they can, they can draw. So let's give them a shot. And that's kind of how we immediately just jumped right into the middle of the scene as fast as we possibly could. Yeah. Um, so on the, the tours that you've done, what are some like favorite cities? You know, obviously traveling in general is a shitload of fun, right? But what yeah. cities are, are like, uh, we have to play here any chance we get type of cities for you? Um, Oklahoma City, we played the University of Oklahoma there. Um, and that was probably one of our favorites like we've ever played. Uh, and Tulsa, both so both Oklahoma there was incredible. Seattle, our first tour was on a Tuesday was packed and probably still to this day, one of our top like five favorite shows. Um, I'm trying to think some other areas. Um, Jonesboro, Arkansas was a really killer show. Um, and the people there are like wild. <laughs> uh, made that one a lot of fun. Um any other ones you can think of? No, off the top of my head. Yeah, we'll we'll leave it with those for now. Alwindall, South Carolina was. Yeah, um, I was just gonna say Oklahoma seems to, especially recently, have blown up when it comes to like everybody has always made a stop there because if you don't, especially if you're traveling across the country, like cool, you just wasted a full fucking day of travel. Cause yeah. you have to drive through that state. So you might as well play a show and get gas money if nothing else, but it does seem like there's a lot more bands coming out of, of Oklahoma lately. And, you know, it seems like their scene has really been much more accepting and, and opening now. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about music videos. You guys have done a few of them. Again, being a DIY band, it is not fucking cheap to do a music video. What goes into that mindset for you guys, like when you're planning that sort of stuff, you know, and, and coming to terms with budgeting out to pay for a music video? Um, a lot of the music videos, um, I would say at least half of them kind of developed in that same process that we were talking about the live shows, like while we're performing or like writing the song and uh, working on the production a lot of times we're already writing the music video and the live performance way it's going to go uh, even if it's just kind of like a quick idea or concept um, and so that's how a lot of them are started uh, and then other ones have just kind of came out of nowhere after we wrote it or um, released the song it was like okay now let's come up with something that fits and it just kind of hit like a specific item of clothing or uh something like that to play off of but there's so much uh that goes on in the filming process and like the directing and the writing because we 
we try to keep our hand in like all that side of things too. Cause we like learning and growing in all areas, um, yeah. getting to write, uh, scripts and ideas. Uh, I think we've, we've gotten a lot better at that since day one, for sure. Like compared to now of just understanding how basically a movie would be written, um, and learning how to pull off those little tricks of camera angles and things like that as well. Uh, has been a lot of like fun. Yeah. How much of that is self shot or self produced? Like, do you guys hire out for the video team and stuff like that? Yeah, we have a director we work with, um, who also films everything. Um, and we, we actually edit with him. Um, so it's super easy process. Um, cause we basically have full creative control over every aspect um and i like sometimes we'll work with him like at the the shoot we'll be like let's shoot this angle or something like that um so it's super easy process to work with him yeah i i think that's one of those important things we kind of talked about it at, at the kokomo show like the importance of the team that you build around you right like finding the right PR team, the right directors in this case, you know, things like that. Talk about what goes into that mindset because it seems like as you you grow, right? I think you guys will say this too. Uh, as you grow as a band, it's amazing how many people start holding their hand out saying, hey, I can help you, but you have to pay me. What's yes. it like, you know, trying to figure out like, okay, are you genuine or are you just trying to grab some money and, and maybe not producing? Yeah, I would say we've learned the hard way for sure from that. We've tried a lot of things and spent a ton of money in like marketing and uh, I guess hiring certain people that just didn't work out. Uh, but I think that's part of the process. Like, I don't feel like there's very many bands or maybe any businesses that just come right out of the gate and like everything's flawless and perfect. Uh, you kind of just have to test and find those right people around you to build a good solid team. Um, if you're going to win like a championship or whatever, like type roster, uh, you kind of have to just move people around and test things out. But, uh, I would say there's certain people around us right now that are kind of key pieces to moving things forward. And then we've added, uh, over the next like month or two, we're going to be adding some more pieces to the puzzle. And I think, you know, hopefully those things will pan out, but there's always a chance that you just waste your money and, you know, you just, I guess it kind of comes down to you have to waste some money to find that right team around you for sure. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously it would be ridiculous to say like, oh, you're never, every dollar you put into the band is always going to be worth it. And it's, you know, nobody's ever going to take advantage of you. But I think maybe not necessarily for you guys specifically, like full on taking advantage, but like, there's definitely people that see you starting to succeed and they're like, Oh, that I need to jump on that and at least get the money while I can. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that's where, like what you're saying, figuring out like who's genuine with it, who sees the creative vision that we have and truly wants to support us as an artist versus, Hey, uh, you know, I've worked with a, B and C person and you know, this is what they did. And it's like, okay, name dropping doesn't necessarily mean, that you yeah. were successful with what you did. True. 
exactly. You know, you, they might've worked with that person. I feel like that's kind of what they do with a lot of like smaller upcoming artists is they'll jump on, get what they can out of them. And then when they blow up, they can say, well, I worked with rags and riches or whoever that'll be. And it's like, well, you did, but you didn't do a good job and you just get to use that name credit. Now <laughs> I feel like bought in the music industry. Yeah. And I mean, obviously like record labels are a little bit of a different story because of yeah. the contracts and stuff, but there are definitely artists that like started off on like real small indie labels and that indie label will continue to be like, Oh, you know, we were the jumping point for them. That's like, were you though? Like how much <laughs> of that did you actually influence? True. Yeah. So uh, for you guys, since I brought up record labels, I guess, for you guys, what's that kind of been looking like for you as far as um, that feeling out process, you know, starting the communications, obviously, as you grow, eventually a record label becomes necessary. Do you feel like you're getting close to that point where it's like we have to make that next step when, when it comes to record deals? Or are you kind of in that spot where we may be able to do this for a couple more years fully DIY? So we, uh, with the album, we actually did a one-off deal with Sona Blast Records. They launched Jack Harlow's career out of Louisville. Um, and so we signed the album to them uh, and everything to kind of get that uh, extra funding and things we needed to run proper marketing. Um, so that was super beneficial for us just to have that. Uh, gave us also the experience of working with the label and what that looks like and feels like. Um, so I think, you know, our next step is, uh, either continue working with them on future releases, uh, which we've discussed or, you know, move on to something, uh, on up the ladder. But I think, um, as a two piece, it gets, it's over the past probably six months, it's become a little bit more challenging as just two people trying to work, um, on a lot of things. And so we've kind of had had to put our focus into like who can we add to the team what who else like what labels can we add on to help actually help us get going because it's getting just a lot of things to try to handle at one time yeah and i i mean obviously some of that is from the success that you're starting to see um but again you know as a fully diy band i think the the casual fan doesn't realize that you guys are wearing all the hats you're yeah, you're the tour, you know, manager. You're the tour booker. You're the, the marketing guy. Like, there's so much on the back end of a band that, until that team kind of fills out, you're running everything. And I know sometimes it sucks to think of your band as a business, but at the end of the day, if it's not making money, you have to kind of figure out like what what do we need to change? Exactly. Yeah, uh, being on the road. Um, speaking of, you know, tour managing and, and whatnot, being on the road, what was that like? You know, you've done a few tours now, but what's it been like post COVID to be back out on the road and kind of those receptions and seeing, are you seeing more people that are like wanting to buy the physical merch and, and albums and stuff versus before where it was like, eh, we'll just stream everything because we're entitled and, you know. <laughs> got a little got a little uh <clears throat> you know not necessarily taken for granted but pre-covid like everything was just it's so easy we'll see them when they come around the next time there was no urgency to see a band no i agree i think it's definitely 
this time around, it was definitely, um, I would say much better. Um, I feel like there was people, well, there was people at every show that like knew the songs. Um, and that was really cool. And then also like a lot of people were way more willing to buy like a shirt or CD or something. So I think it was like definitely beneficial, um, the most this time around more than our previous tours. Yeah. Um, what goes into for you guys, uh, merch design and stuff like that, you know, deciding what you're going to take out on the road, because obviously that's a fucking task, right? Like you don't want to spend a bunch of money on a certain shirt design and then come back home with all but three of them. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Peyton mostly handles like the, designs um you know i throw some input in on like colors or uh like concepts and stuff but for the most part he kind of comes up with the designs on the shirts um so yeah it's like the the merch this time around we we had a crop top uh that we added into the mix and that sold like we literally sold almost all of them within so many like even when we saw you uh, we were already like selling so many of them, like and only a few days in that we had to order more uh, already, like not even halfway through the tour to get yeah. more stock. So it's like you get a bunch of shirts and stuff and then one of them might actually like just start going like hotcakes uh, and then one of them might, you know, not go as much, but that's fine. You know, you might go to Florida and it doesn't sell, but then you go to New York and it sells like crazy and. Uh, I think that that's what makes the touring all over different cities uh, beneficial as far as the merch side, for sure. Yeah. Um, so as 2022 uh, is, you know, in mid swing now, as we're talking here um, at the end of, of June, um, what's the rest of the year look like for you guys? You know, you've done a little bit of support on this album. Obviously, you're going to continue to support it, but what are plans? You know, is there new new music that you want to release before the end of the year? Does that look like a new EP or just some singles? Kind of, what's the vision for you right now? Um, so yeah, we have we have some collabs that we've been working on with some other artists um, that we're going to put out uh, this year, and hopefully some other songs as well. Uh, and then, but obviously pushing that album, we're going to go back on tour. Uh, nothing as long as the 46 day tour, but, uh, we're definitely going to do some more touring, uh, and some co-headlining touring and things like that, uh, that we've been working on and then some festivals. Um, so yeah, there's the rest of the year is pretty, uh, coming together is pretty quickly to the point of like, we're going to be booked out through October, um, pretty soon. Um, and then even into November, I get married in November. So that that's kind of takes a little bit of November into the holidays yeah. there. Uh, so as, as far as the rest of the year goes, we just have a lot on our plate. Uh, but a lot of cool things going to be coming out as well. That And different things that we haven't released or done for sure as well. Yeah, awesome. Um, for, first off, I guess, congrats on, on the wedding you know i knew you were engaged i didn't realize it was coming up that quick so congrats on that thank you um so for without you know speaking on anything that you're not allowed to yet as far as those tours that are booked what would kind of the ideal tour look like for you guys if if you could set up your own like 
in a perfect world, what would you want that tour ticket to look like? Uh, that's a hard question. I mean, obviously we would like to play like a worldwide arena tour, uh, with the uh, like 21 pilots, imagine dragons or someone like that. Uh, that'd be a, a dream come true for us for sure. Um, but just right now selling out like 300 cap rooms, uh, is kind of a goal and priority for us, something that we're focusing a little bit more in on. And, um, yeah, I would say right now that's kind of the main priority and focus. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so the album's already out, so it kind of ruins part of the question that I normally ask, but, um, as new music comes out for, for people, uh, one of the things that I like to ask is based on the album, um, it's a two-part question, and both of you can answer this. What is the song that you think people are going to resonate with the most, and then what song do you want them to hook into? Okay. Um, obviously, obviously since... Speed of Sound is, is up there already, but... <laughs> yeah. I think since it's been out, I mean, obviously pressure has been the one that has resonated the best. Um, but one that I personally would like to see people is, I think, probably like um, either Shockwave or Victim. Those two. I would, I would say the same. Yeah, awesome. I, I would agree with that. Uh, State of Mind, I think, is up there on my list as far yeah. as, like, yeah. if people sit down and listen to that song, there's a lot in that song, um, both sonically and lyrically. Like, there's a lot of depth to that. Yeah, I I agree. That's one we're, we're kind of starting to push, and there's going to be a music video coming for that one. So that one's going to be kind of the next uh, single, quote-unquote, like, focus for of ours. Yeah, awesome. Um, so kind of as, as we wrap up here on the episode, um, with everything that has, has happened through COVID, you know, coming out of COVID, the almost resurgence of music, what excites you the most about the trajectory that you're on? Because with the release of this album, I mean, it's not a stretch to say that you guys are starting to grow exponentially. What do you like? What's that excitement level look like for you with, you know, are we just one step away from, you know, clearing into that next, next level or, you know what I mean? Like yeah. what's that, that excitement and push for you? Uh, I would say if anything, it's kind of humbling because it's something that both when we started this, we wanted it to be like, we wanted to play arenas. We wanted to play worldwide. That was something like since day one we wanted. And now with the album and the results of that, uh, there's been a lot of things kind of like coming to pass and getting to meet uh, some people like, I guess, heroes, you would say, of ours. Uh, so there's been a lot of little things that just little, I guess, step, stepping stones that every band takes or every artist um, that you kind of start see ha to see happening. And it's, I don't, it's kind of hard to put it into words to really like, especially because we didn't have like a uh, crazy amount of money or, uh, you know, a family member who was already like a celebrity or famous to get us in there. It's something we've built right. from the up. And I think 
it for us it makes it more like humbling and uh exciting that we did it from from that like all the way from the ground it was kind of like i feel like that makes it a little bit more impressive just for our personal selves yeah and you know not that lexington is like a it's not a bad town, obviously, as a hometown, but it's not Nashville, right? Like, there's not the same level of connections and things like that. So to say, like, we're on this trajectory and we didn't have the advantage of being in a major market to start with either is a pretty bold and and nice bragging point for you. That Yeah, I think we've been saying that a lot, like, just to ourselves of, like, if we get down on ourselves, which is easy to do with, you know, the music industry is just like ups and downs every day. It's a roller coaster, emotional roller coaster. Uh, but we have told each other like, Hey, like no matter what we've built this in a town that like didn't accept us in the very beginning and wasn't super supportive. Um, and so, you know, you hear from people building from like Chicago or wherever it may be, LA, and I feel like it's like a million, it's sometimes easier there and then sometimes challenging because there's so many people trying to do it. Uh, but coming from somewhere, say like Lexington, it it feels a little bit more impressive and uh, a bragging point, I would say for us is just like, hey, we did it out of a town like Lexington. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think, you know, like those major markets, New York, Chicago, L.A., um, you know, you're, you're right. Like, yeah, there's more noise, quote unquote, cause there's more people trying to do it. But on the flip side of that coin, there's also a lot more of the industry personnel in those areas to potentially see you. Yeah. A lot more opportunities as well to play in front of somebody. Uh, whereas in Lexington, you're not going to like just happen to run into an agent of so-and-so or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with kind of going back into tour again real quick with everything that that transpired on that 46 day uh tour not that you guys necessarily um expected it or obviously nobody wants it to happen but you know i've heard of so many bands especially roughly your size as far as following and whatnot um that end up talking about like, uh, you know, it was a bad idea doing 46 days or, you know, it was hard getting gas money some nights, things like that. Do you regret doing a 46 day tour like that? Or is it, was it kind of more of a, we challenged ourselves, we made it work and now we know we can do it if we decide to do it again. Um, I mean, so this was the of the three biggest tours we've done this was the smallest um so we did a 68 day run back in 2019 um and so i would say out of this one even like some of our mondays and tuesdays on this tour were a million times better than uh even like some of our thursday nights or whatever on um the other like 68 day tour um so yeah it just I would say this tour was challenging for sure, just because of um, it's always a learning experience and growth being on the road and working together and things, but I wouldn't change it for a moment. There was like memories made and uh, moments that like I'll never forget till the day I die. And uh, so even if it was like, say a night, the show sucked, there was always something funny that happened 
or something special where we impacted somebody's life um, that made it worth it, even if it was like one person or whatever. But a lot of these shows, we had a lot more people uh, showing up for. And so that made it more rewarding um, and just a little bit more successful, I would say. So we would we would definitely do it in a heartbeat again. But going forward, I think we're going to do some smaller runs, uh, be a little bit more strategic with things. Yeah, I, I think the the important part that you said is being strategic about it, obviously, like, again, with all the data that's out there now between Spotify and everything else, it's a lot easier to identify potential cities. But then obviously, too, what a lot of people don't understand is just because Chicago maybe is your top streaming city, it doesn't mean that Chicago's coming out to the show necessarily. Yeah. That's, uh, that's for sure. <laughs> that, that actually is true for Chicago with us. I, I mean, I can see that in the sense of, you know, it's, it's a bigger market. It's a major market. So like we just said, there's so much saturation of potential things to go see that it's easy to miss the mark, you know, in yeah. certain instances with it. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so kind of the final wrap up here, uh, is the standard outro, uh, where can people find you guys online? Um, I'll obviously link all the socials and things like that, but where can they find you? What's the best way to interact and, and things like that? Yeah. So, uh, you can find us on basically every social media platform, um, except for Twitter, uh, is at rags and riches music. Um, on Twitter, we're at underscore rags and riches. Um, and then our website is rags and riches music.com. Uh, and then we also have a phone number. Um, I can try and pull it up real quick. Um, I feel like I saw you guys post about that not too long ago, but I didn't, I didn't notice what it was for sure. Yeah. It's hard to remember it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, eight, five, nine. Five four five eight seven nine one, and you can text us, and we'll text you on there. Awesome. Is that it's basically one of those like community numbers, right? Like anybody can text it. You guys get notifications, and then yeah, yeah. send stuff back out. Yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, I think that's everything for this this particular episode, guys. So I definitely um, want to stay in touch. And again, thank you for your time. Uh, as we you know, kind of fade out here. What's the, the going away parting words of wisdom from rags and riches to any listeners or potential new listeners? Uh, just stay positive and keep your head up out there. Awesome, man. Again, I appreciate it. I'll definitely uh, keep you guys in the loop on when this all goes live and everything. And we'll uh, try to make as much noise for you as we can. Thank um, you. And then, Obviously, you guys know how to get a hold of me. So anything new that's that's dropping or whatever, let me know, and I'll I'll signal boost as much as I can. Okay, okay. we appreciate. It. Well, thank you again. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely, man. We'll talk soon. Have a good one, guys. Yep. You too. Later. And that was my conversation with Peyton and Tanner, the band Rags and Riches. Um, again, you know, huge shout out to them for finding time to to make this work you know we've both been crazy busy them on the road and me just being swamped and inundated with shows and uh podcast episodes and 
oh, you know, just the first world problems that exist uh, when you do things like this. But um, no, it was a great time talking to them. Huge shout out. Much respect for what they're doing. Um, and I really believe that they're right on the, the verge. You know, they're right on the cusp of of being a band that explodes and uh, really starts making some pretty big waves throughout the, the music industry. Uh, and hopefully you guys are on board already and can ride that wave with them. Um, as always, I've got all their socials linked in the description of this podcast. Be sure that you go over, give them a like, share, subscribe, follow. Um, as we talked about in the, the podcast a little bit, as a DIY band, those things... Well, especially as a DIY band, uh, those things are super important because that's how, you know, the algorithms work and just the way that things get signal boosted and more eyes get on it, things like that. So be sure that you're following them. Be sure that you follow us um, at You Make the Scene on Instagram and Facebook. Um, still working on some new merch still open to collaborations as well so if you or someone you know uh is an artist let me know uh be happy to discuss some ideas and see what we can come up with together um and yeah that's basically it for this week guys um or at least for this episode uh so you know as always remember take care of yourselves take care of each other and you make the scene